Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Uh, Eric did a great job last week laying a foundation uh, for this series. And uh, as we talked through Colossians, we talked about that Jesus desires, Jesus deserves, and Jesus demands preeminence in our lives. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He has always been the King of Kings, always been the Lord of Lords. He created this world and he created us to be in a relationship with him and gave us flexibility and joy. He told Adam and Eve, go out and enjoy this creation, subdue it and experience uh, what I've created for you. A beautiful garden, incredible animals, the ocean, all of that was there for them to experience. And uh, uh, they made a bad choice. Adam made a bad choice and brought sin into this world. Independence, a seeking for independence from God, for a self-centeredness that brought great trouble uh, on all of us. So we've been called to seek Him as an urgent priority in our lives, to set our minds and hearts on Christ, and then to put to death anything that is a competition uh, for that. So last week, as Eric uh, spoke to us, uh, if you would like his sermon uh, notes, uh, if you'll give us a card with your name and what you want and your email address, we can send that to you. I really enjoyed meditating on that several times uh, this week. And what we will be doing is then in January, be offering you some opportunities for uh, different stages in life to be able to consider God's uh, principles uh, Henry, uh, this week, uh, he and I met and found uh, something for those of you uh, that are over 70. There's some things that can really be of help to you. The laws have changed, and so we'll be giving you information uh, about those kind of things. And uh, if you find yourself already greatly messed up financially and say, oh, I've messed up all those principles, guess what? When you tell God, I will do my best to line up with you, it is amazing what he does. Amen? Haven't you found that true? Yes, he's helped us. Uh, so we're doing this uh, series to help us look at 1 John 2, 15. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and we're talking about the world system in independence from God, if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're not talking about pretty leaves. We're not talking about the beautiful ocean and the grandeur of the mountains. We're talking about the world system that says me, myself, and I, and whatever I can get, and if I believe in God, I'm trying to twist him to get him to do what I want to make me happy. It's a self-centered uh, world system. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust, the strong desires of the flesh 
and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. These two things are in opposition and the world is passing away and it's lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. And last week as we talked about this, we said, look, it's crazy to come here for a month from Australia and the only thing you're allowed to take back is your money and to buy houses, cars, and uh, uh, a beach house, and a yacht, and a ski-doo. Uh, when in a month you're gonna have to do what? Leave it here and go back to Australia, that's crazy. And yet that is the way our hearts get focused on this world. This world is not our home. Eternity with God is our home. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And he says, you can lay up treasure there. So today, where is your confidence? Today, where is your security? Where is your significance? Where is your satisfaction? An idol, an idol, any kind of an idol, there's all kinds of idols. An idol is anything that you place security in. I've got to have that, or I've got to be so nervous. Your significance. That's what makes me important. Your satisfaction. I can't be happy unless I have this person have that thing. An idol is anything you depend on for security, significance, or satisfaction. I think this is in the bulletin, isn't it? That causes you to disobey or ignore God. I don't have time to read the Bible. I'm too... Oh, I don't have time to pray. I'm too... These things are competition. Uh, you know, uh, it just doesn't go good if you tell your wife, well, I haven't got time to talk to you today. I haven't got time to go with you anywhere today. Well, then where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, so in 1 John 2, he says, don't let the flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the, the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. They're not from God. The flesh is that strong attraction that the external, listen to me, that the external world has on us. It's trying to do that. You know, right now we're coming into uh, coveting season. Right? All the advertising is trying to make you so unhappy with what you've got and that you need something else. And if you can't get it, surely if you circle the catalog and leave it appropriately placed and tear out that page, surely that'll help. You know, I used to do that when I was a kid uh, where I grew up in Africa. We had an outhouse. Uh, we didn't have the in-house. We had the outhouse. And out there was the Sears and Robot catalog. And the Sears and Robot catalog had a toy section, and I used to fold pages over, circle, put Steve beside certain things, you know, and, and uh, gave hints so that they would know. And then when Christmas came and there was presents under the tree, we would go in there and pick them up and shake them. If they flopped, that's clothes. We just throw them back down. Not even care. But if they rattled, oh man, we, we listened to them. Now I'm sad now because I know that was tough on my parents. They wanted to give us you know, uh, a lot of toys, but they say you get one toy, the rest has to go for clothes because people are working in America. They're getting up at three in the morning, plowing in the fields, working hard, sending money here. And that's not for toys and to play. It's for that. And, 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 and I, I know that it hurt their hearts sometimes for us to be like that, but we were kids. And uh, I, I understand that sometimes we treat God like that, don't we? So there is the world that is trying to advertise and trying to uh, get us to stimulate 
physiological urges to get us to desire and pursue its values and priorities. There's the lust of the eyes, the battle for beautiful things, you know, clothes and cars and uh, whatever it is that attracts your eyes and, and you have to have to be able to be happy, to feel significant and to be content. Then there's the boastful pride of life, selfish ambition, personal plans that exclude God, that we pursue uh, for power and the praise of men and self-righteous appearances versus doing the will of God. He who does the will of God, it says here, lives forever, loving and obeying God with our total being and letting the love overflow to the people and situations around us. You know, when the, the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There's a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the thieves and he told the story of the good Samaritan, a man who was an enemy to the Jew who was there beaten up and dying uh, and yet he stopped and helped him. Your neighbor is the person that is near you in your walk of life with God that has a need that you can meet, whether it's time, whether it's your talent, whether it's some of your money. God will give you guidance. Now, I, we are not trying to tell you, give away everything that you have. Everything that you have belongs to God. You are bought with a price. You are God's servant and everything that you have is his and you need to ask him what he wants you to do with it now if you have nothing can you give anything to anybody yes what well if you have nothing you won't have any time or talent either so okay but uh, you know the burn hearts but you know we we do have time we do have talent we have treasure god is giving us so that we can be not repositories, mine, 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 you know, <clears throat> you know, it is that we can be uh, channels of God's blessing to pe people around us. So Jesus said, don't love the world. Don't let it suck you in to its orbit. Uh, have a life of generosity. Uh, James 4, 1 to 4. Look at that real quickly. I just want to give you these scriptures, write them down. You can meditate on them later. Uh, you should meditate on James 4 and 5, but verses 1 through 4 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It is not the source of the pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust. You're filled with strong desires for stuff, and you don't have. So you commit murder. You say, well, well I've never murdered anybody. Would if you could. Get by with it. Not get in trouble. Uh, you know, you take their stuff. Yeah, God says our hearts uh, can be sucked in. Uh, you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because he says, you don't ask. You're not praying to me. You're not trusting in me. You ask and don't get it. Don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend it on your pleasures. Verse 4, you adulteresses. In other words, it's like you're my bride, and yet you are giving your favors out to other people. Your heart has been stolen away by somebody else. Do you not know that friendship with this world system, friendship with the world is hostility to God. They're in opposition to each other. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Who's your best friend? 
That's what God's calling us to today. That's what this series is about. You know, uh, your finances are what you have, but God isn't after your money. He's after your heart. And when he's got your heart, everything else will go with that. Now, our goal is not to load guilt on you, uh, to have you feeling depressed. Uh, it is that we come and we say, uh, at the end of the service, we're going to sing, just as I am. Because it's a good place the way to come to God. Don't try to get better and come to God. Just say, just as I am, without one plea. But that your blood was shed for me and that you've bid me to come to the old Lamb of God. I come. Don't just come to Him to get saved. Come to Him to be in a deeper and deeper loving relationship with Him and experiencing uh, Him. Uh, and, and so read James 4 and James 5. First uh, Timothy 6, 1... Look at that very quickly with me. First Timothy 6. Now I would like you to meditate there. I don't. Uh, we could preach some sermons from that. But I would just like you to look at some of the verses. Now Eric read some of these last week. And I would like to just read verse uh, 5. says godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by. Say it loud. Contentment. contentment. Everybody say contentment. Contentment. Say it again. Contentment. Are you contented? You see, it's okay to like things. It's okay to enjoy things. But contentment is the condition that you come in the Christian life where you are resting in Jesus. Where you are trusting Him. Not only that he saved your soul and you're going to live with him in eternity, but here and now he loves you and is at work in your life and your time, your talent, your treasure is his and he wants to have an exciting life with you, the adventure of life in Christ with you as you walk with him. Amen? And so he, you can have contentment. I've been to other places and right here in Elijah, People who don't have much can be content. You say, well, they're in Africa. They don't have high taxes. They don't. Hey, people are the same all over the world. It's a choice that you're going to have to trust in God. Uh, we had the, the last pastor's conference with the pastors that was talking to them about being content. Don't look to the great white hope from America to bring you enough money to buy all the stuff that you want that you think you have to have to make your ministry succeed. Jesus said, I don't even have a, a place to put my head. And yet he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. For we have brought, verse 7, nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Let's say that together. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. We will be content. We make so that means that if you have food to eat, clothes to wear, everything else is a what? A bonus. Wow. You mean God doesn't owe me a car? God doesn't owe me a house? God doesn't owe me food to eat, clothes to wear. You know, it says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. For us, we're not too worried about that. But lots of places in the world, they are. In the videos that we'll look at here in just a minute, a man in prison is worried about that. A man in prison is worried about that for his family. What about my daughters? What about my wife? What about uh, 
and, and, and say, what, what about those things? So uh, I've written down, uh, well, let me read verse 8. If we have food and covering with these and be content, verse 9, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. What's another word for snare? A trap. How many of you have ever seen a bear trap? You ever seen those? I mean, that's scary stuff. Can you imagine somebody having a bear trap set out in the woods? I mean, that big thing uh, that's there, it's chained deep into the ground, and it has big old teeth, and when the bear puts his paw in it grabs him, and I mean, a 500-pound bear can't get loose from that. I mean, he is jerking, snarling, yelling. Uh, my uncle, he traps coyotes up in Ohio. He got about, I forget, he told me 30-something one year. Uh, and he has these snares, and he puts them where they're going to go. And when the coyotes come through there, it is a slip knot onto there, and then they're caught with this cable around their throat. And uh, it, it kills them. The Bible says riches are a snare for our hearts. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. This is a warning from God to us. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some longing for it have wandered away from the faith trusting in God and walking in His ways and pierced themselves with many griefs. I, I've known pastors you know, my daddy says the three great dangers to pastors, fame, finances, and females. And uh, <coughs> pastors who got in trouble with the money. And that's the wonderful blessing that we have here. We have other people handling the money and we discuss the money and it's all laid out uh, for you to see. But uh, pastors who've ruined their reputation, ruined their lives, by being seduced by money. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. Wandered away from Jesus. Wandered away from his will. And pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God. And pursue. Run from this and chase after this. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you've made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. How many here, after you heard Eric's sermon last week, how many here are rich? You are too. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Yes. Put your hand up over there with your hands crossed. It's, yes, yes, you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're all rich. We are rich compared to the rest of the world, and we are very rich compared to people all through history. There's kings who would have loved to have a car to drive around. There's kings who would have loved to have a nice house like you have with central heat, air, and all. That, you know, we eat and we travel and we have choices that people throughout history could not even imagine. You know, when my mom and dad went to Africa, it was unimaginable to them that one day they'd be able to, in a few hours, be here three weeks on a boat going to South Africa. And now, you know, I can get on a jet here and 16 or 20 hours later be in Kenya. Whew, David Livingston had to hike it 
all the way in from Mombasa into Lake Victoria. I mean, we are rich. And he says, instruct those who are rich in this present world, don't be conceited. Or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Let's read that last part. Who, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Say that a little bit louder. Who Now, how would you look if God was actually supplying you with all things? Let's say it how you would look if you really had all things that he wanted you to have with joy, okay? Say it now with a... Who richly... Richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. What we're talking about today is, do you believe this? Is He your Lord? Have you given yourself to Him as your Lord? And at the end, we're going to sing, Just as I am, and I surrender all. And remember, it's just as wrong to sing a lie as it is to tell a lie. And we're going to sing, I surrender. You'll be invited to say again, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Maybe my heart's been seduced here. Maybe I've got myself in all kinds of trouble. But I want to be all you want me to be. I want to surrender uh, to you. I want to give you my time. Give you my talents. Give you my treasure. Give you my life. Uh, we're going to watch these uh, uh, videos now here. But let me give you six things that Randy Alcorn has in his book, The Treasure Principle. Number one. God owns everything, and I am his money manager. I am a steward and not an owner. Number two, my heart always goes where I put God's money. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So put your treasure somewhere, and guess what? If you put your treasure in the children in Ghana, guess what you're interested in? Who are those kids? What's their name? Uh, you know, if you put your money in Apple stock, what are you interested in? How many tablets got sold? How many iPhones got sold? You're interested in where you have put your treasure. Number three, heaven and the new earth, not this present earth, and life is my real home. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, where just dwells righteousness and Jesus is the king. And we are there with him as his bride. And you say, well, that's good. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Forget that. No, Jesus said, lay, don't lay it for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust corrupt for thieves break through and steal. But instead, lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break through and steal. So your security is going to be in one place or the other. Where's yours? You know, every time I've heard this preached, the impression I got was, well, I'm laying up treasure in heaven, so when I get to heaven, I'll have treasure. No. I'm choosing to put my treasure, when God calls me to give some money here, give some time here, give some of uh, uh, my talent there, when He calls me to do that, then I obey Him, and sometimes that's going to be contrary to what I would like to do. Uh, yesterday, I had two or three challenges in, in that area. My time, my money, and my talents. Uh, my talents were needed here, my time was needed there, and my money was needed there. 
I have to make choices guided by the Holy Spirit as to what he wants me to do. But I put my security in Jesus. It's amazing. You know, this church, we started out, just said, well, we'll pay the rent this month and hope we can pay it next month. If we can't pay the rent, we'll quit. You know, we'll go someplace else. But God is blessed, provided, and look what great things he's done. And he, just this week, he blessed us again. And totally, uh, we've been praying about TVs that we need to buy to put in the lobby, put back in the children's area, in the youth area, and God provided for those and then some. Amen? Our security, God wants us to say, do you really believe in me? Test me. Now, in, in other areas, he said, don't test me. Don't mess with me. But in Malachi 3, he says, test me with this. Give to me. You know, the poorest Jew, listen to this carefully. The poorest Jew had to give at least a tenth of tithes and offerings. Are you under grace with Jesus as your Savior, a child of the King, going to say, I can give less. I'm not under the law. No, no, no. I, and I'll just tell you, I, and we could have a great big argument about this. And, but let me just tell you what I know. I have watched this all through my life. People say, I don't believe in that tithing. That's Old Testament. That's all. I, I'm not going to do that. They always have money problems. And then the people that do that are blessed. In, in the most amazing ways. I just see it over and over and over. So let me just tell you, even if I can't give you a good, clear argument for that, I just know what works. Give to God as he tells you to give. Give at least 10%. Give tithes and offerings. And as you do, uh, you know, I told you the story of one young man. He said, I can't afford to do that. His daddy told him, you can't afford not to do that. And he said, well, I'm going to try that this year. And he did. And guess what? He, was, he said, I was blessed more. I will never go back to the old thinking again. I will do this. You know, Linda Van Fleet, who used to be here and did the music for us, she said, Steve, I'm, I'm a preacher's daughter, and I'm really ashamed, but I've never been a good tither. I've been sort of, if I had some left over, but I'm going to tithe this year. Should I tithe on the gross or on the net? And I said, which one do you want to be blessed on? She said, the gross. I said, well, do it. She said, we can't, but I'm going to anyway. One day she was sitting over there and she wrote a check for $200. And her husband looked up and said, $200? Did we make that much this week? She laughed and said, yes. Isn't that cool? A guy from the Philippines called her or sent her an email, said, I've been watching your account online and some stuff she's doing. I'm not going to take too long to tell the story. But said, I've been watching you. I have sent $10,000. It's either $5,000 or $10,000 to your account. And I want you to do this job for me for the next three months. In the Philippines. Somebody in Allergic. <laughs> Sounds like God to me. And so she did that. He said, oh, that's really great. And for two or three years, she worked for him doing stuff. But God opened that door, blessed her. She told me, Steve, at the end of that year, she said, I've made more money this year than I've ever made in my whole life. Our message is not prosperity gospel type thing that you follow God to get stuff. But our message is that God wants you to be generous with other people. And how can you be generous if you haven't got anything? So he will give to you, but it's not to hug it and say, money. It is to be a victim. And as you give, you will be so blessed. Randy Alcorn, who wrote these principles here, uh, uh, had, had his uh, family 
and he had written uh, books and he had signed over all the royalties to the Lord's work. And then because he was protesting at uh, abortion clinics, he had a lawsuit against him and got sued for $8 million. And that meant that they were going to garnish his salary as a pastor of the church every week to take money from there to pay for this abortion clinic. And he says, I can't do that. He quit and took a minimum wage job. So none of his money went to that. And it was a 10 year stint. So for 10 years, he did that, took minimum wage. His wife started another kind of business and they, they worked in that. And then at the end of the 10 years, they figured out a way to renew it. So for 20 years, he had to work for minimum wage. All of the royalties, almost $7 million of royalties went to uh, ministry. But God let him prove that he believed what he said. And guess what? God provided for him. One day he and his daughter were walking in the neighborhood and they saw a $500,000 home, beautiful home. And he said, we could have that if we wanted to with the money we've given. How would you like that? She laughed, said, no, we don't need that. And we're happy with this. And you know, they went back and looked at the letters that they get from all over the world from ministries where God has allowed them to invest themselves. Well, I'd like us to show the first, uh, well, let me read these other two, I'm sorry. I should not live for the dot, but for the line. I'm here just for a dot, my eternity is a line. Number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. We are to be generous, eager to share, and rich in good deeds, 1 Timothy 6.18. Number six, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, to, but to raise my standard of giving. I will have more discretionary time, opportunities to use my talents and freedom under God's direction to invest his treasure that I'm the steward of. Today we're focusing on and praying for the persecuted church across the world. People who love Jesus as their first priority and are facing suffering, danger, deprivation, persecution, injustice, imprisonment, and even the ultimate sacrifice, their own life and or the life of their family. We share these videos with you and invite you to write down the names of these people and nations and to pray for them. You can go to Voice of the Martyrs website and see YouTube or YouTube and see other videos. So let's see the first video there if you would please. Uh, you can probably hit the lights. Thank you, John. Can everybody read that? Uh, 
ما اصلا به هیچ امامی دعا نکردیم به عیسی مسیح دعا کردیم So this is in the country of Iran. We're going to show another one here in a minute. Uh, so this is in the country of Iran. Isn't that amazing? That here's a lady with MS, both of them getting ready to commit suicide. And through the preaching of the gospel on TV, uh, they are both saved by a miracle from God. I don't, I've watched these things several times this week and I cry almost every time I watch them. This is the Jesus that we preach. This is the name that we go in. So as, as God maybe leads you to, to invest in Voice of the Martyrs, uh, to invest in a TV program for a gifted man who is able to communicate in their language and talk to them. Remember the people of Iran, that country was taken over by Muslim leadership. Those people are having to learn a new, new language. Trying to do that. Uh, I saw a picture of the largest mosque in Iran, a man who was over there, and there were only three people out in front of it. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Uh, People are not falling for the lies. People are not falling for that. And all across the world, you know, uh, at the Voice of the Martyrs Conference, we saw two girls who in Iran had given their lives to Jesus and smuggled 10,000 testaments into uh, post office boxes until they were finally caught, put in prison. And in prison, God healed people. In prison, God led people to Christ. In prison, they were used to help people who were condemned to death to come to Christ. And when they were set free, their guards came to them and said, we are so sorry for the way we treated you. And they're here in America giving their testimony of God's delivering hand uh, in their life. So uh, we're going to pray for the, the people of Iran right now. Could somebody just stand up? You just raise your hand and then stand up and pray loudly for the people of Iran. Somebody do that for me. Okay, Ruthie. 
Yes. Amen. The, the testimony is that thousands of Iranians are coming to Christ, that Christ is appearing in visions, dreams, to people, and people are giving their lives to Christ. So, you know, our temptation is to think, well, they're a danger to us. They could send nuclear missiles over there you know, just to obliterate them. No, 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 no. That's a nation of people that God loves and is reaching out to and working among. Okay, the next one, please. for their faith. My friend, David Alexandra, is now in prison since three and one half years. His three daughters are growing up without their father. I was also imprisoned for teaching about Christ. My name is Salahat. I'm a pastor in northern Uzbekistan. I have been convicted and sentenced to eight years in prison. After I served only four months, they dropped the charges and released me. I was praising God and went home to my wife and two daughters. When I got there, my little girl was so excited to see me. The police had been watching our house and no one had been able to help my family. The food was gone and for the last week they had nothing but water. Our baby couldn't even nurse because my wife had no milk to give her. In prison, I had endured many things, but nothing prepared me for seeing my family like this. My wife asked me, what will we do? And I said, we will pray and our God will provide. The next morning, I went to work in the garden. Nothing was growing, but I didn't know what else to do. When my daughter came out to help me, she asked, If we work in the garden, will your God give us bread? I told her to wait, to trust in God. So we just kept working. We kept praying. A few hours later, Two men suddenly appeared at our house. They asked if my name was Salahat. I said, yes, and asked them what their names were. They said it wasn't important. And when I reached out to shake their hands, one of them placed an envelope in mine. I looked and saw that it was full of money. When I looked up, the men were gone. I don't know who they were or where they came from, but my daughter and I rejoiced. God had provided it. As I share this story, I am now again being watched by the police and could be arrested at any time. 
I am not afraid of going back to prison. But I pray, please God, don't let my family go hungry. We can no longer meet in our church building, so we worship in the desert. Only a few brothers are able to gather at a time. We cannot even bring our Bibles. In Uzbekistan, some are afraid. Others believe the persecution is a test of our faith. David's family says this testing is hard, but it has made them stronger. Меня зовут Саша, мне 14 лет, и мой отец, он уже три с половиной года сидит в тюрьме, потому что он пастор церкви. У меня есть большая просьба для вас, просто молиться за него, за его освобождение, просто за его здоровье, чтобы, чтобы в душе был спокоен просто и держался. I'd like somebody just to raise your hand, stand up and pray for the people of Uzbekistan and Sal Salabat was the name of that man and then Mr. Alexander's the other pastor in prison. Okay, Brother Paul. so much brother Paul you know if I'm suffering then that's me but if I have to watch somebody else suffer and I'm powerless to help them that is a tremendous stress and and a weight uh, on you and all across the world men and women young people are, are suffering um, but our God is alive our God is there and there is nothing listen there's nothing that you forfeit here in the will of God for the kingdom of God that he says in the life to come he will repay bountifully he says if you just give a cup of water to a little child in my name there's a reward uh, for that we're going to watch uh, one more here uh, but as you uh, 
see these videos and you can go to the back back there and there's some some material that you can get to help you be alert to that you can look online for voice of the martyrs there's conferences you can go to these videos are online there and then you can ask god maybe to burden you to pray for you may say well there's so many i can't pray for them all well pick one pick two uh, this next one will touch your heart and uh, the, the ending of it uh, will be a real blessing to you. She will be in danger. 
leaving her is so hard. God has answered my prayer. I have a Bible, but I must be careful. see that big smile on his face when he found out that people were writing him letters? I don't know if I've ever done that, to tell you the truth. I have written to Africa and stuff, but that's something all of us can do. You know, we can get names for that. Uh, I'd like you to stand up with me, and we're going to sing I Surrender All. Uh, we'll uh, just sing that last one. You got that there, Jay, for me? I Surrender All. Uh, you know, I, I would. Th this song is, is a day-by-day -day walk that we're to have. Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, walking with him in, in obedience. And so this is not a mournful funeral hymn. I surrender all, he's gonna make me miserable. I surrender all, he doesn't love me. This is a, a man who's in prison for year after year after year, uh, beaten, tortured, and hurt for the cause of Christ. There's young girls growing up without their father in the home. There's others that are, you know, that we wouldn't show here uh, of people being slaughtered for the cause of Christ and wondering, is God there? But they know what they've experienced in their life. Now we're here, we're blessed uh, to know the Lord. And I pray that as we sing this song, that this is a true song in your heart. So we've got those words there.
And this is just our closing prayer of I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. Daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to you, my precious Savior. I surrender all. So let's uh, get the verse up there again. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to You, my precious Savior, I surrender I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let Thy blessings fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to You. feet I will abide. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I'll know that you are mine. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to you my precious Savior. I time on the course. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to you, my precious Savior, I surrender all. This evening at Bible study, we'll be spending some time in prayer for the uh, suffering church worldwide. Uh, so feel free to come and join us if you can. Father, we just come to you now and we thank you that you have given us opportunity to choose. You've given us opportunity to choose you to be our Lord and Savior. Thank you that you came in your amazing grace and that through faith in you, Lord Jesus, our chains are gone. We've been set free. And thank you for these people that even though they might be imprisoned in a physical prison, that their hearts are free. Lord, we thank you for John Bunyan, who in prison uh, for, for many years away from his family, uh, wrote The Pilgrim's Progress and how you used his imprisonment to be a tremendous blessing to the world for uh, others who've been imprisoned and have suffered greatly uh, that uh, they have written and Richard Tortured for Christ, Richard Wormbrandt and other people. Lord, people who've uh, been faithful even unto death uh, because of their love for you. 
Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be more and more real in our lives, that we would willingly and cheerfully surrender our all to you, our time, our talent, our treasure, that we would deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow after you and share in the adventure of life in Christ, to see you guide, to see you lead, to see you open doors, to see you uh, heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed, and to bring joy and peace into lives. Pray that we can be uh, a part of your best plan in our lives. We do surrender our all to you, all that we have, all that we are. And we ask that we as individuals, as families, and as a church, that we would be pleasing to you. We would be found good servants doing what you want us to do each day. We would be found to be faithful servants, persisting in doing what we know to do. And Lord, when you put us into situations where we find somebody who has a need, and Lord, that you lay it on our hearts to help them with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, that you would help us to do that joyfully. You love a cheerful, a hilarious giver, and that we would trust you then to provide for our needs uh, in the situations we find ourselves in. We thank you for all that you've done for us as individuals, all you've done for our families, all you've done for our church. And Lord, we look forward with anticipation that as we walk in your ways uh, with humble hearts and obedient spirits, that we can see your hand at work in us and through us for your honor and your glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid aside your glory, laid aside your power, and you came willingly down here to earth to live among us and then to die in obedience to the Father because he loved us so much that he let you die so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be restored into a relationship with God, filled with your Holy Spirit and have a new kind of a life filled with firm confidence, a, a, a solid hope that while we're here, you never leave us or forsake us. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and then one day we can live in your house with you forever, the place that you prepared for us and for the work that you prepared for us to do in eternity. And we look forward to walking with you here and then being with you there in eternity. And we pray to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.